0: that is what's great Is that you you're not just a direct patient care volunteer there are other ways that you can volunteer there's a place for you in whatever season of life that you're in so volunteers they can grow in, in their position and what they do they might start off doing one position as a volunteer and see other opportunities
1: hello and welcome to what's important to you a podcast created by Montgomery Hospice and Prince George's Hospice Center for Learning with only one goal in mind, and that is to amplify the volume and reach of diverse voices in healthcare. My name is Terry James Taylor, and I am your host. I plan to give you intriguing insights on various topics, including end of life and grief. I want to open your minds to new perspectives on often overlooked topics. Welcome everyone. Today's episode is Volunteer Services Dedication and Commitment to End of Life Care. And we hope this discussion will help raise awareness about the various areas and facets of care that our volunteers cover within our Volunteer Services Department. It is my pleasure to have Heather Boyle, the Director of Volunteer Services and Complementary Therapies, here with us today. Heather Boyle has worked at Montgomery Hospice and Prince George's Hospice since 2010, first as a volunteer manager and most recently as the Director of Volunteer Services and Complementary Therapies. She is responsible for recruiting, training, evaluating, and supervising over 300 volunteers. She has taken her passion for music and veterans to help develop music programs and to the We Honor Veterans Program at Montgomery Hospice and Prince George's Hospice. Thank you, Heather, for being with us today.
0: Hey, thanks, Terry, for having me today.
1: It is also such a pleasure being a volunteer myself and used to be a volunteer coordinator for facilities teams. One of the things that I like most about volunteering was being a direct care patient volunteer, in addition to taking the bereavement training as a volunteer. I still have the pleasure of working with the T-Town volunteers over at Casey House. And I also still have a really close rapport with the outreach volunteers and working with administrative volunteers, who is a tremendous help for the receptionist these days. So it's such a pleasure in working with the volunteers and being a volunteer. We'll be touching on all of these topics and more. We're in for a treat today. Um, Heather, I'm going to jump right in and I'm going to ask you, how would you describe your volunteer program?
0: I just It's so important to talk about our volunteer program because I think we just have really an exceptional volunteer program at Montgomery Hospice and Prince George's Hospice. The time and the energy that our volunteers put into their work make it possible for our staff to offer the very best care that they can to our patients. I, you know, when I also think of it, I think of it as being a robust program. I think of it as being a professional program. We consider our volunteers professional volunteers, um, and that's because of all the background and all the the training and everything that we give them. So it's such a diverse, so many diverse opportunities that we can offer our volunteers. They can grow in in their position and what they do. They might start off doing one position as a volunteer and see other opportunities. So it's um, definitely a place of growth, too, for volunteers.
1: Absolutely. I agree with that. What makes Montgomery Hospice and Prince George's Hospice Volunteer Program exceptional? Tell us a little bit about the training.
0: Yeah, I mentioned the training that I think it's really unique. There are requirements as to what volunteers are required to learn. And I have to say that we do obviously offer those things, but we offer so much more in our training. It's so much more of a comprehensive training. It's not just learning about policies and procedures. Um, We're talking about end-of-life care. We're talking about death and dying. We're talking about boundaries a lot. And that's the one way I think we are able to retain our volunteers is that we do feel that boundaries are very important. And so we do talk a lot about that in our training and our training too. They get to meet everyone in the organization, everyone from the CEO all the way to nurses, chaplains, social workers, home health aides, philanthropy, bereavement. They just learn about every single nook and cranny of Montgomery Hospice and Prince George's Hospice. Because really, they're out there being our ambassadors in the community, as well as when they're with their patients. And that's just so important that they understand what we're all about.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I always feel that the training is so good. Even us as employees can take that training as well. well.
0: Well, it's funny because some people ask what's required, you know, when they're inquiring about volunteering and Mm -hmm. we tell them that it's just about 24 hours of training and they just look at us like, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. But at the end, they say to us, you know, I've been in professional fortune 500 companies with trainings, and this is by far one of the best that I've ever been to because it's just interactive and it's just comprehensive. And um, I think they appreciate the professionalism that we put into it.
1: Absolutely. And we do put a lot of that in there. Tell us a little bit about direct patient care. Going in, we're going to talk about the different areas of volunteers that we have that they can work in as well. But let's start with direct patient care volunteers.
0: So most of our volunteers actually are direct patient care volunteers, probably 85%. They are supporting the team, the hospice team, which involves all the professionals. But they are sitting at the bedside of patients in facilities and homes and really wherever home is. That could be in a group home. It could be in an assisted living. It could be in a a nursing home. It could be in an apartment. It could be anywhere, wherever home is to that patient is where our volunteers will visit with them. And so that involves sitting at the bedside, sitting there and spending time with them. um, It can be you're sitting with a patient in their home, giving respite while their loved one or their caregiver are out or just taking a break for a couple of hours. It can be that you're in a facility, um, that you're visiting several patients on a floor, checking in on them, spending time with them. It can be that you're sitting at the bedside quietly, holding their hand. It can be a various activities. Listening to music can be that you're actively engaging with them. You could be playing a game. You might be working on a memory book. You might be writing letters to your family, or it can also be supporting the patient by going grocery shopping, walking their dog, feeding their birds, anything that would support and kind of bring them comfort um, during this time is what our volunteers do. But In the end, you know, obviously with, with what we do, hospice patients decline and there comes a point where you're not able to be that interactive anymore. And the ability to be able to sit quietly with someone at the bedside and hold their hand, share that space with them is so important. And, um, Mm -hmm. and it's a skill. It's a gift that you have, but it's also a skill that you can learn and something that you can learn to do better each time. So Mm -hmm. um, patient care is just, it's very important um, and gives it really helps the families
1: It is, and have it, and just sometimes volunteers may think that,
0: oh, that's not a big deal, but it really is. Um, Sometimes
1: the family members, they just may want to take a nap to know that you're there, just being in the presence of their loved ones and allow them to rest a little bit. Not necessarily always going out to do something, but just so they can get a nap and relax. I thought that that was always very important, too.
0: Right, absolutely.
1: So at this time, we're going to talk about our administrative volunteers and the impact that they have on our staff.
0: Well, they have a huge impact. I was just talking to one of our administrative volunteers today about some data entry that she was doing for us. And administrative volunteers come into the office to help with, like I said, data entry. They do some filing for us. They answer phones for us. They help out in bereavement in different areas um, with different filing and mailings and things like that. So even if someone isn't interested or isn't comfortable doing direct patient care, there's still a place for them. Um, we have plenty of opportunities for people to volunteer without having that patient interaction. For our department, for volunteer services, it's great because it alleviates some of the work that we have to do. It's definitely a cost-saving thing in the end, and you know, it's just great support to us. Plus, we like having the volunteers come into the office and seeing their smiling faces and, and helping us with different activities.
1: Mm -hmm. And I'm a testimony for the administrative volunteers. We have one of the things that is really great, the administrative volunteers, they do so much. And we have a volunteer who's very special for us at the reception desk and she is just wonderful. She jumps right in. She knows how to maneuver that phone system, which can be really trying at times. So we're really grateful for her. Um, We also have our volunteers who uh, may come in and write our bereavement notes, different things like that. And we have our outreach volunteers who I work very closely with. They're wonderful as well. They will take a two-hour stretches to attend health fairs with me. Doing the health fairs, we would do, we administer lavender hand massages. They know all about Montgomery Hospice and Prince George's Hospice. They talk about their roles. There's so many areas that they're able to share with fairgoers. We've also have ended up having fairgoers wanting to become volunteers, especially when we've attended the NBC4 Health Fair. We've gotten people from that health fair that wanted to become volunteers. So the list goes on with our outreach volunteers and absolutely our administrative volunteers as well. They really help us a lot.
0: the outreach volunteers, I really enjoy going out into the community and sharing what they do. Um, It's a great opportunity for them to talk about what they do, but also to hear stories from people who come up to the table and tell them all about their experiences with Montgomery Hospice and Prince George's Hospice. And so that's a fun thing for them to be able to do.
1: Mm -hmm. And all in all, as everybody can um, see, we have so many areas. And so at any time, if a direct care volunteer gets burnt out or anything like that, there's several other what I like to call different disciplines where they can go. They may have bereavement training. They may do tea time for a little while. They may have music by the bedside or try complimentary therapies, come over to the outreach department, go to the administrative area. There's so many things that they can do without being burnt out and wanting to leave the program altogether. So I think that's one of the things that we're proud of more than anything. Heather, would you like to add to that?
0: Well, I know a great example of that as I was thinking about this is a volunteer that we just have that won a actually a national award from NHPCO as a specialized volunteer. Um, out of all the volunteers in the country, she was selected as a specialized volunteer for 2022. And um, her story is really great because she started out 10 years ago as a volunteer doing direct patient care. She found an interest in doing some comfort touch. She had an interest in Reiki. She's volunteered at Casey House. Um, she's done just about everything. She has, it's been a great growth opportunity. And if you ask her, about her experience, that's what she would tell you, is just that there have been so many ways that she's been able to grow personally by trying out all the different things. She didn't love all of them. There were some that she doesn't do anymore, but she has experience doing them and she tried them. And so I think that is what's great, Terry, as you mentioned, is that you, you're you not just a direct patient care volunteer. There are other ways that you can volunteer. There's a place for you in whatever season of life that you're in. Maybe right now you've lost someone and you just need a break from seeing patients directly. We can definitely use you in the office. Um, There's always filing to be done. There's always data entry and phones to be answered. So we can use you in any way that you feel like you can at the moment.
1: Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And that's what falls under the dedication and commitment to end of life. A lot of times, even in our jobs that we do, let alone volunteers, when we say what it is that we do, Sometimes people can't believe that, but once someone becomes a volunteer, they get it, they understand it. And a lot of times, and correct me if I'm wrong, Heather, it usually ends up being from being a caregiver or being in our program that they want to give back and they become volunteers.
0: That's exactly how they come to us. Um, We don't advertise for volunteers. They come to us from their own personal experiences. And I think when you said that made me think of our training and what we were talking earlier about what made it so great. And I think when volunteers, when you get a room of 25 people together that want to volunteer, they're there for the same reason. They don't have the same experiences but they have similar experiences and they have common interest in end of life care. Um, where not everyone outside of that room can understand that when you go out with your friends and family, they may not understand why you have this compassion for the dying. But when you're in that room together with 25 other volunteers, you all are interested in something and you all have something in common. So I think that's also what makes it unique and special and just a comfortable, safe place.
1: That, That is absolutely true. And they feel very comfortable. They feel very comfortable with each other. Their understanding of each other because they've been through that experience of a loved one dying. And I think it's so cool that after the period that they have before they can volunteer for Montgomery Hospice and Prince George's Hospice, it's rewarding for them. So let's talk more about those other disciplines we've mentioned earlier. Something that's very unique as well is our bereavement volunteers, Tell us about that. I know we have a volunteer that's been in our bereavement department now for almost, what, 20 years
0: or so? I think so. I think it. I I think most people think she's a staff member because she's been there so long, Mm
1: -hmm. but she's
0: great. And bereavement volunteers are important too. I mean, they're all important, but at Montgomery Hospice and Prince George's Hospice, we have a unique bereavement program and is that we follow our patients, the families um, and loved ones of patients for a year after the death. Um, So obviously with that comes a lot of follow-up. There are phone calls to be made. There are mailings to be made. There are support groups and volunteers are trained in order to be able to help with those things. We do ask that the person takes our volunteer training and is a volunteer out in the field for at least a year before they take this additional training. Um, It just provides a good foundation for being a bereavement volunteer, but we have volunteers. They make calls from their home, so they will check in on loved ones. Um, and so that's something that can be done from home. They don't even need to come into the office to do that type of thing. And, um, and then the groups as well. So it's a, it's a unique place that people can use their talents to, to volunteer.
1: Mm-hmm. That's also helpful in kind of a twofold too, not only with bereavement, but helping administratively as well in, in, in some ways, because they have paperwork and things like that too. And that longstanding volunteer, I remember taking the bereavement training. It is, it is amazing work that's being done by our volunteers. And then we have another special area, which is Casey House, and the different things that our volunteers do there. But I would like to first start out to talk a little bit about our tea time volunteers.
0: So Casey House is our inpatient facility with 14 beds, and we have volunteers staffed at Casey House from 10 to sometimes 7 o'clock at night, seven days a week. They rotate at two-hour shifts in and out of Casey House. Part of that is what we call tea time, and that's offered twice a week. We have a great room at, at Casey House in which the volunteers gather together and make sandwich. They have sandwiches that they put out as well as tea and coffee. And they go around to the different rooms and invite the family members and the loved ones to come out and join them for a, a cup of tea and a snack. And it's a great way to give the loved ones just a a little bit of a change of scenery, a little bit of break. It gives them a time to meet with other family members. Obviously, they all have a lot in common. And it's nice to just have a little bit of a break and sit down and enjoy a nice cup of tea in a teacup, not a a paper cup, not a paper plate, but a nice teacup with a saucer you know pretty napkins flowers they just the volunteers do a great job of making it such an inviting atmosphere and um, a lot of great conversations happen at that table so that's something that we really love for our tea time volunteers to do
1: mm-hmm. a real tea time and yeah. and it, there's sometimes with when our patients are ambulatory that they join as well i've seen that
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fun thing. So there are a lot of different things you can do at Casey house. I mean, that's just one aspect of Casey house volunteering. Um, We have volunteers that I mentioned that are in every day um, that visit all the different patient rooms, um, go and sit, offer hand massages, offer just time with the patient. We have some volunteers that come in once a week just to help uh, load supplies and unload supplies. We have volunteers that just do all different kinds of things to support the people at Casey house
1: mmm and one of our main things which really happens over at Casey House music at the bedside those volunteers and I know that a lot of that goes on over at Casey House right. Still, that's what they do
0: so we have we're so fortunate to have a music program at Montgomery Hospice and Prince George's Hospice We have so many talented volunteers that share their gifts with us and we have several actually world-class musicians that visit at Casey house. One gentleman comes every week and plays the cello in our great room. He also goes around and plays um, different instruments in the patient rooms. We have a volunteer that plays the hammered dulcimer. We have another volunteer musician that goes and plays the violin every week in patient rooms. And I know just hearing from the staff at Casey house, the sound of the gentleman in the great room playing the cello, it just creates a beautiful mood at Casey house. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just really beautiful. So we're so fortunate to be able to have live music. It, it is such a difference. Um, it just creates a different energy and it, it's such a gift to everybody who's there. So that's really special at Casey house, but they don't only go to Casey house. They also visit patient homes. We'll have volunteers or patients that have a specific interest. Maybe they were a pianist. Maybe they were a soloist. Maybe they had some kind of profession in the music industry. And they really benefit from having these specialized volunteers come into their home to play the violin with them, to play the hammer dulcimer. You know, I have a personal experience. One of my um, mother's best friends died with Montgomery hospice and Prince George's hospice. And the hammer dulcimer came in and played for her. Her family said that was one of the most meaningful things that they experienced with Montgomery hospice and Prince George's hospice was just this beautiful music that was playing in the background as she transitioned. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's just a beautiful thing that it can offer. And we're so fortunate to have those volunteers that share those gifts with us. We've had volunteers that play the ukulele, the flute, um, all, anything you can think of just about. And, uh, and it's so great to be able to have that.
1: I can only imagine. I've heard of a, a couple of times. I mean, it just sounds so angelic, all of the instruments in Casey House, because with the high vaulted ceilings, the music really travel.
0: Right. Thank you. And also volunteers, you know, not only do they play live music and are musicians, but we also have the Threshold Choir, um, which is a group of three or four volunteers that go out into patient homes or facilities or Casey House um, and sing at the bedside for patients and um, just slow, beautiful, calming music um, at the bedside. And they are just really an amazing group. And we're fortunate to have them as well. Also volunteers with, with technology now, volunteers can play music on their phone. There's so many playlists that they can pull up. If if they know a patient's favorite genre or favorite songs or favorite artists, they can pull that up on their phone and play music. And that's a special thing that they can enjoy together. They can hum along or hold each other's hand or or just uh, listen quietly to the music together. And so there's so many great ways that we can do that now.
1: It really is. I I, I never forget some evenings with the Threshold Choir. Practicing, and a lot of our staff would hear them and always comment on how nice they sound. And so, last but not least, let's talk a little bit about complementary therapies aspect of our volunteers.
0: So, I think complementary therapies at Montgomery Hospice and Prince George's Hospice is what makes us really unique. We offer so many different complementary therapies from a professional level, but then we also have our volunteers that are trained to do several complementary therapies. That can be Reiki. Um, We have a comfort touch program, which is a modified version of massage. We have pet therapy. And so people can have their dogs certified and then bring them to visit with patients, which is always fun. We even recently have a volunteer that is certified in doing licensed acupuncturist who visits Casey House for patients that enjoy acupuncture. So that's another great avenue where she can use her professional skills um, in a volunteer manner. So especially for Comfort Touch, there is a specialized training and competencies for that. And just as in bereavement, we ask that a volunteer be a volunteer with direct patient care for one year before they take that specialized training. But definitely after that one year, we welcome people who are interested in learning more about Comfort Touch to take that training and be able to offer that to families and um, and patients.
1: Thank you. Now, within that, share with us about the aromatherapy piece.
0: So aromatherapy, we're so fortunate to be able to have aromatherapy nurses on staff. Um, We have a full aromatherapy program where specialized blends are made for patients. And even though our volunteers don't actually participate in that aspect, they are taught how to do a lavender oil hand massage. And in the training, that's part of their training, is that we all learn how to do a lavender oil hand massage from a licensed massage therapist. And in their kit, when they're done, their volunteer training is a bottle or two of a lavender oil that they can take with them on visits. And um, it's just such a great way that they can connect with patients. Sometimes when language or words are not appropriate, or it's just um, maybe the patient can't speak, maybe they speak another language, maybe they're too tired to talk. But just for them to be able to sit there quietly with their eyes closed as someone gives them a hand massage is so comforting and just such a great way to connect. And um, it's great that our volunteers are able to to feel confident going in to visit a patient, knowing how to do that. Mm -hmm.
1: Heather, thanks so much for all of the great education that you gave to us today regarding our volunteers at Montgomery Hospice and Prince George's Hospice. It's been such a pleasure with talking to you today. our listeners. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope that everyone enjoyed all the different things that you found out about Montgomery Hospice and Prince George's Hospice Volunteer. As you can see, there is plenty to do and a lot of areas to work in. Thank you. This was What's Important to You, a podcast by Montgomery Hospice and Prince George's Hospice Center for Learning with one goal in mind. And that is to amplify the volume and reach of diverse voices in healthcare. To learn more, please visit www.montgomeryhospice.org forward slash podcast and download, share and subscribe. Thank you so much for joining us today.